Good morning, everyone. My name is George, and I'm a pastor here, and I get legit excited when we start talking about how God is moving around the world, uh, how his kingdom is uh, gospel movements, and we see exciting stuff happening in Ethiopia. We have a team over there right now. I have an email that I want to read uh, from Dick that's just going to give us a little bit of an update. So this is what Dick wrote to me. He says this, we've heard some amazing testimonies. One woman who had become a Christian but continued to see witch doctors and sorcerers until she started reading God's word through the things that they're doing with community Bible study, it changed her life. We loved so many kids at the orphan centers and gave hope to hopeless women as we taught them how to sew skillfully. They're partnering with the Terra Church right there and they're working with the poor of the poor. You see them there. Dick says this, I'm preaching on Sunday at Gotera Church, and Dick, as you're live streaming, I just want to give you a special message. I've heard you preach. We're going to pray for you uh, extra for this. <laughs> I love you, Dick. All right. And then he says we're taking uh, 100 kids uh, from Gotera off-site for a fun day of Bible teaching. So say hello. They're overwhelmed by the generous support, by the prayer. That's what we do as Ascending Church, as a home church. Our teams go out. They partner with other churches around the world, and we're there for them in every way that we can. So this morning, we want to pause and talk about who we are as we participate in God's kingdom around the world, because we have some really cool missionaries right from our church, our family, going to unreached contexts, doing really cool ministry. We have national partners around the world. They're living without fear as they are witnesses for Jesus Christ in some hard places. We celebrate them. We're going to learn from this from them this morning, and we are going to lift them up in prayer in every way that we can. Jesus has commissioned us to go tell all nations, and that's what we're going to do today. Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, and there's still people around the world that have never heard Jesus' name or the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ died and rose again. It is our job, that's what we're here to talk about, to be witness, to finish this task of the commission. So this morning, our prayer is that we boldly and with humility learn how we can bear Christ's name, that we can learn to hear God's voice, where he wants us to go, whom we should serve. That's what we're going to do this morning. We want God to whisper to us. So let me open up this morning with prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we do want to see people the way you see people. We want to see the nations the way that you see the nations. We want a heart for those around the world. Father, speak to us this morning. Jesus, give us your eyes of compassion, your hearts, your heart of mercy. From Daniel seven thirteen through 14, we pray, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus, when I read that from Daniel and I see your heart for the nations, 
and know that you're coming back. I'm filled with awe. Filled with awe and a little bit of tremble. When I think of all the peoples, the nations, all the languages, worshiping you and serving you as king, I want to be part of that. We want to be part of that. We love you. We give this service to you. Amen. Amen. So I do want to say one thing. If you've never been on a short-term mission trip, I'd encourage you to go. If you've never had a cross-cultural experience, if you haven't worked with someone from another culture or you don't know someone from another culture, do it, okay? There will be no greater learning experience for you than being face-to-face with someone from a different culture, different language, thinking differently than you do. God gets a lot bigger. He gets a lot bigger when you come in contact with someone from another culture because you have to learn. You get challenged in all the best ways. It's beautiful. God loves diversity. He has a heart for the nations. He has a heart for global missions. And his last words to us before he ascended, before he went back into heaven after his earthly ministry was finished is a commission. It's a mandate. It's a calling for us to go out and bear his name as we are witnesses to the gospel. Acts 1, 1 through 8 talks about what it looks like to be a witness. I'm going to ask everybody to stand as uh, we read the word of God. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about kingdom of God, about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Away for my gift, the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This is the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you. You can see. So let's look at verse 8 a little bit, because this is the vision statement of Acts. This is our commission. This is what God, what Jesus has told us, why we need not have fear when we bear his name, because it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then what happens, you're just kind of standing there a little bit, you know, dumbfounded, but then an angel comes and said, the Lord who has just ascended will return that way. So you have right here in the beginning of this book, the vision statement. Here's what it's all about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
And this come upon you part in the commission is not insignificant. To partner with the Holy Spirit, to be a witness in Jesus' name, you cannot do it. And if you're trying to do it in your own power, you will fail and you'll fall over and over again. Because what happens when the Holy Spirit comes, when you are in great need of the Holy Spirit, because you're out there, you're doing something for Jesus, you're partnering, and what happens? You realize you don't have it in you. You're not patient. You're not kind. You're not forgiving. You start resenting the people that you're serving. That will happen if you try to do it in your own power. But when you fall on your knees and say, God, this is way beyond me. I can't do it. That's when the Holy Spirit shows up and you find that you are doing things in ways, in Jesus' way, that you could not do in your own strength. Our God is a God of the needy. He answers those who call out to him. He answers those who plea and beg, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, show up. If you're not needy this morning, you will be my witness to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This is the vision statement. There's purpose there. There's power there. There's a plan right there. That's what we want to focus on this morning. We want to ask ourselves some questions. Are we truly needy? Do we want God to show up? Because if we can do everything, if we are not needy, God probably won't show up. In North America, in YZ, are we living out this plan? Are we living our lives with a purpose? Are we asking for the Holy Spirit to show up? You know, it's great to talk about this theologically and conceptually and as an idea, and we can sit here this morning, but if it doesn't have any impact on our witness and how we live and the people that are in our lives tomorrow or the next day or the next day, then it doesn't really matter. The church is not about us. It's how we serve. It's how we carry Christ's name. His last words to us. Are we going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be witness for Christ no matter what the cost? In our daily lives, are we walking a past someone beaten and bruised and in the ditch? Who is our Judea? Who's our Samaria? What about the people that are in our schools with our kids? Do we work together? Are we a witness at all? Do Samaritans live in our neighborhoods? What about the global church? Do our hearts break at those living in poverty, those just trying to get by? Do our hearts break for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are slaves around the world? Then, brothers and sisters, to the ends of the earth. The thing I really love about this and the thing that strikes my heart is when these words were spoken in Jerusalem, you and I were the ends of the earth. That's why this matters, because of grace. Let me say this. Nothing has changed. Not one thing. The power given to them is given to us. The purpose given to them is given to us. Even how it works itself out is given to us. Let me say this. Hear this. It's not on us. Our main job is to see where the Holy Spirit is moving and then partner with the Holy Spirit in kingdom work. God's redemptive story is moving on. Get outside your own little story and be part of God's larger redemptive story. And you will be blessed for that. And you'll be able to bless others. Let's get to the heart of Acts. 
Because what's happening in here? Let's look at the church. We have the first missionary journeys. They're living in community. They're doing life together. They're mourning together. They're rejoicing together. There's persecution. There's fear. They're crying out on their knees. God, help us. And what happens? Miracles. The Holy Spirit comes in and shakes some stuff up. They're witnesses for the gospel and the church, the early church, exponentially grows. It's exploding. Are we in North America witnesses for the gospel? Do we see this same type of growth and power in today's church that we see in the book of Acts? Let's ask a couple questions. Let's be honest this morning. When you think of the gospel, what do you think of? What is the gospel? What makes up the gospel? I'll tell you what I think of a lot. When I think of the gospel, we all do. We think of God's love, right? God's love is a wonderful and powerful thing. I love being loved by God, right? God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me a little bit more, right? I'm his favorite for sure. But is that the gospel when we preach that, when we talk about that exclusively? What does that do to our witness? Let's focus on me. Inward focus. Are we too comfortable as a North American church? Do we think too much about ourselves and what God can do for us? You know, the love of God in the book of Acts is never explicitly mentioned. Their gospel was a little bit different. Include the love of God. Don't mishear me. Love of God is great. But when they preach the gospel exclusively, clearly, consistently, they preached resurrection and repentance. Unfortunately, I think neither resurrection or repentance is central to the mindset of our modern church. We like to talk about faith, but we ignore Repentance, neither of these two words come into our minds when we think about what the gospel really is. I don't think we fully understand resurrection and what resurrection means in our lives and if we truly grasp that, how it would change how we lived tomorrow. Resurrection and repentance clearly changed the church's witness. They're willing to die as a witness. The message of Acts is that Jesus is risen from the dead. And this justifies his claim to be Christ. Lord over everything. The world, the universe, you and me. And as a consequence, in Acts 17, 30, and many other places, Jesus says this. He commands all people everywhere to repent. Repentance is a good thing. This isn't a fire and brimstone message, okay? Repentance is a gift. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You see the early church of Acts repenting. What is repentance? So back in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, when we talk about repentance, it means basically we're going our own way. We're focused on our own thing. We turn from God, and it's literally a turning back to God and his way. Okay, It's rethinking where we are at in our lives. It's reevaluating where we are and saying, you know what, God? My ways are not your ways. I want my ways to be your ways. What do I have to rethink? What do I have to repent from? 
My sins are sins of self. I'm self-focused, a lot of self-pity. There are times when I'm self-righteous, self-admiration, self-love, self-sufficiency. I know under the guise of promoting Christ, there have been times where I have promoted myself. And that's all too common in the church. The sin of self dwells and thrives unrebuked in our churches. Self knows all the jargon of Christianese. Comes here, knows how to sing on Sunday mornings all the songs. Greets everyone with a smile, but walks out of these doors and Christ will have little or no impact on their daily lives. Self comes to the cross and can watch the lamb bleed for the sins of the world and be unaffected. Self can stand... Self can stand before the cross unbroken, hardened, and unrepentant. Repentance, in a lot of ways, is death to self. And that sounds hard, but it's not. It's not hard words. When I die to self, that's when Jesus shows up. Let's look at resurrection in Acts and why it's crucial to witness. And out of resurrection comes repentance. Face to face with my resurrected Savior, face to face with the wounds in his hands, locking eyes with the lamb who was slain, my first response is always repentance. Jesus resurrected changes everything. The testimony of the apostles was not that God just loves you as true as that is. Yes, God can change your life. Yes, he loves you. But their witness is about resurrection. They saw Jesus after He came back to life. They heard and touched him, and it changed everything. It's a vindication of Christ. Evidence that what is wrong will one day be made right. It gave them great hope. It gave them joy. If Jesus is Lord, he is absolute, unbound authority over everything, including you and me. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Therefore, he is Lord. Therefore, he has the right to tell you and me what to do and what not to do with our money, with our time, with our body, with our relationships, with our marriage, with those people and work, all the things that we consume, he has that right. The first step to witnessing, the first step to telling others about the good news is always repentance. This is how we become a witness under the Holy Spirit, the power. We confess with our lives that Jesus Christ is Lord. We begin to do ministry the way that Jesus did ministry, working, loving, the least of these, and we're constantly reminded of the goodness and mercy of Jesus as our greatest pursuit and our greatest treasure. So there's power. There's a purpose. We're called to be witnesses. In every day and age, the church faces both persecution and praise and needs gospel strengthening. That's okay. The gospel strengthening takes place by remembering salvation comes only through what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, only through the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. It doesn't come through tradition. It doesn't come through good works. It doesn't come through customs. It doesn't come through us. 
This is the message that must be moved forward because the mission doesn't stop. Repentance is a gift, and here's how it works. From the book of Acts, what I've learned, when I come to Jesus face-to-face, I think of Peter. Peter at the fire after he's denied Jesus the third time and the rooster crows, you see him lock eyes with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever locked eyes with Jesus in the midst of your deepest failure, in the midst of all the disappointment. You see, what Peter does is he's honest. He weeps afterwards. Honest tears are always good. But when he's looking at Jesus, locked eyes, I know what he saw. He didn't see the hard fire and brimstone repent. He saw Jesus' love for him. He saw a little bit of sadness. And he went and he wept so honest tears. That's what repentance is. Face to face with my Lord and Savior, resurrected, I repent and say, I want my ways to be your ways. I share the gospel with other people because I have life abundant. Why wouldn't I want to share that with someone else so they can live now? That's my heart. My heart is full of joy. That's the pro- That's the process. I love our missionaries who are literally at the ends of the earth. They're from our body. They're our family. They are paying a price. Our job as home church is to be with them, support them, hold them up in prayer, and let them know that they are never alone. Because one one thing that every missionary struggles with is isolation. Different culture, different language, different beliefs. In a lot of senses, you are alone. As a church, that's what we can do. We can stand with them this morning. We can pray for them. We can pray against fear. We can pray for anointing the Holy Spirit, free and redeemed. Let's pray now. Father, I thank you for the families that have gone out from Wyzetta. And this morning, as we celebrate your words, your words to us, your promise. It's just a time to focus. Your promise that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and we will be filled with power. We will be messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. Father, we pray that. We pray that we will be your witnesses. Show your love to the people in the West Metro, to our nation, to all nations. Help us live with your purpose. Help us live in your greater redemptive story. Help us, Holy Spirit, give ourselves over to this end that we might see the eradication of just weariness. Energize us. Fill us with joy that we might understand better where we work, where we live, where we play. Be our all in all. It is for your beautiful name that we do this. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Andrea to come up, our pastor of worship and prayer. And we're going to uh, close um, this message by spending some time in prayer. Do you have to sit down when you pray? Is that a thing? Yeah. I think so. It's more. There we go. So George is 
going to be leading us through some prayers of repentance as a congregation. And repentance can sound like a bad thing, right? I remember uh, raising my kids, and it's when they do something to hurt one another, you want them to say they're sorry, right? Well, for some kids, that's easier, easier than others, and I think for some people, that's easier than others, too. But Jesus said, when he was talking to disciples about leaving, he said, it's better that I go, because when I go, then I can send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to do some things. So let me read John 16, where Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And what's beautiful about that is it's the Holy Spirit's work to convict us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because the conviction and repentance leads to forgiveness. And forgiveness is such a gift. And the Holy Spirit does it in such a way, like George said, when Peter locked eyes with Jesus, it's, it's a beautiful moment. It's, it's, a, it's a loving, loving moment. And it's, for us, it's about paying attention, right? Um, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, it's our turn to pay attention to that conviction. And as Jesus told people, you know, ask forgiveness and then go and sin no more. And the first Wednesday of every month, we gather in the sanctuary here as a church family to pray at 6 a.m. in the morning. And on October 3rd, the first Wednesday of this month, we gathered in here right up front, and there were 20 of us. And the scripture that was led out that morning to pray was from Psalm 32, and it'll be on the screen. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin." So that scripture was read, and it really led us into a time of repentance together. And it was a beautiful time where one after another, people just prayed out uh, and asked forgiveness with humility. And right now, we're going to take some time in this service, uh, and we're going to quietly, individually go to God. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts if there are things that we need to ask forgiveness for. And it's easy, right? We go and we just say, through Jesus, Heavenly Father, forgive me for this thing that um, you've put on my heart. So we're just going to be quiet and listen for a minute and do some uh, prayer silently together. I hadn't planned 
to say anything, but um, look outside. <laughs> and there's this incredible promise from God. And uh, thank you, George. I just am so grateful to be able to minister with you and Andrea. Thank you. I just want you to look outside again. Look at that white. Come now, let us reason together. Use your mind, think again. Says the Lord, repent. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. If you have come and you have repented in your own heart, he says, look at the snow. Jesus loves you. He's forgiven you. He has forgiven us as a church. And he's excited for us to be willing and obedient so that we can, not just that we can enjoy the best, but we can give the best for him, for this church. So thanks, George. Thank you. Nope. Good. Thank you, Kevin. So I have a quick announcement. The I love our elder board. I love the humility in which they lead. I love uh, um, just their availability. So I'm going to announce in the next couple weeks, the 28th of October and um, November 4th, they're going to make themselves available to us so that we can ask some questions. We can talk about things that are happening in the church. So just keep an eye out for that, okay? So that's your chance to talk to some of our elders. I'm going to, as a benediction, read the uh, passage from Matthew 28 to close this out. And this is Jesus. Um, it's called the Great Commission. 28, beginning in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, we claim this promise. We thank you for the power and the purpose and the plan. Spirit, descend on this church that as we go out, we go out with boldness and humility and the tension between grace and truth. I pray that you'll bring people on the margin and the fringe to us. And we claim the promise that you are with us always. We witness out of great joy because of what you've done for us. Let that joy overflow from our hearts this next week. We love you. Help us show your love to other people. It's in your name. Amen. You guys have a great week. Thank you.